0: and welcome to Cardscast, a football podcast all about Waking Football Club. Through this podcast you'll hear roundtable discussions, match previews and reviews, interviews as well as us sharing our favourite memories of players, matches and seasons from the past. My name is Glenn Harrington and I'm joined as ever by Jacob Greenwood and for the first time Ben Musgrove to talk all about the latest goings on at the club. But before we get into it, remember to like, share and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, normally at this point, I'd run down all the different topics that we were going to cover in this episode, but naturally, and I think as everyone listening would expect, there's only going to be one major topic of conversation this evening, and that's Saturday's FA Trophy semi-final defeat to Hereford and the subsequent fallout. The big question that we're going to debate tonight, I guess, should Alan Dawson stay or go? But before we dive into the heavy stuff, I'd like to properly welcome Ben, and as is customary for new guests on the podcast, uh, just ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your relationship with the club um, and how you came to support working.
1: Hi, guys. Um, thank you very much for having me on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Ben. I'm 26. I've been a season ticket holder since the 17-18 um, season, the glory days of Anthony Lindbrick. Um But I've been coming to the club um, intermittently since 2003-2004, sort of on and off. Um, I do a little bit of volunteering around the club, I help the media team out, I write some of the match reports um, and I try and stay as positive as possible when I post on Cardboard um, yeah, That's <laughs> probably the best the best 30 second summary I could, I could give
0: Very nice and welcome to the podcast Ben um, So before we get into the Douse debate um, Jacob I guess if we start start with you, your thoughts on Saturday's match first of all
2: yeah i mean massively disappointing wasn't it i think um yeah i I think in in terms of feelings walking away from it and actually watching the game it felt like one of those kind of many audio shot games that we've seen over the years where you know you're kind of a little bit excited about it and you know you're up for the game and, and then it just it just passes you by and um you know there's not really not many moments you know that you thought oh well you know we had so many chances at this, that and the other. And um, yeah, so it's hugely disappointing. Obviously knowing, you know, everything that was on the line as well of, you know, the possibility of, you know, if we won the game, getting to Wembley and, and fans being able to attend and and all of that stuff. And yeah, the, the most frustrating, I think, you know, we can all accept losing football matches. But, you know, I think it, when it's in that fashion, similar to actually some of the shot games that we kind of referenced, where it kind of feels like the game just passed the team by and they've not really done anything. And you've definitely not given your best, um, you know, for whatever reason that is, it's uh, yeah, a really tough one to take, which I think has obviously hit a lot of people quite hard.
0: And Ben, I know that you, you were lucky enough, or should I say unlucky enough to be one of the uh, staff in, in attendance at the game. Uh, you are doing the match report, weren't you? And uh, I, I guess my um my first thought is, is really one of, of surprise at, at how strong Hereford kind of appeared to be. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say whether that was that was more, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, whether that was more us falling short or whether that was, you know, them uh, being sort of slightly underestimated on our part. I don't know how, how it kind of looked to you from from actually being at the ground.
1: I, I mean, it's a mix of both. For sure. I think obviously the fallout of the game has meant we've glossed over how good Hereford were a little bit, but I was very impressed with, with a couple of their players, um, particularly the centre-half Grimes, who I don't think lost the header all day, um, and Butlin as well. I've never seen a five-for-eight striker wrestle the Diara to the floor. That was genuinely really physically impressive. Um, they played themselves well out of some presses out wide, lots of quick triangles. and didn't look like a side who hadn't played a competitive game in, in a month, a little more than that. Um, At the same time, um, the first half, I thought, well, we might not win this game, but I'd be very surprised if we didn't score just because we had a lot of I guess you call them sliding doors moments where we're in good positions in the final third and then we don't pick the right pass. Um, I remember one where Max takes maybe two or three seconds too long to find Dalby and then the ball rolls behind him. Um, there are times when the ball's dro- dropped in a box for um, players like Ashford and are and on the edge as well and the, the connection isn't quite what they need. Um, it felt like if we had that one moment um, and we could get a goal, then, then maybe we'd, we'd change the game because it was certainly a, a nervy start and we weren't quite at it. Um and then into the second half, you have us bundle the ball into the net after sort of ten or so minutes, and you think, well, surely that's got to be a, a major encouragement. We've literally done it if if um, is able to stay on side. And after that, I can't remember a shot we took, to be honest. We have Cooper from the edge of the box, maybe two minutes from time. We've got Moosa stretching to try and reach a ball in the six yard box. They're the only attempts on goal I can remember from half an hour of long ball into the six yard box, into the penalty area that. Didn't seem to hit the right areas, no matter where we played it in from. Um, so yeah, an, an extremely frustrating game that got worse as it went on. Um, I, I think it was Max who shouted ten minutes from time in, in the centre of midfield, "This is our season, come on!" And it it it, it felt more like desperation than encouragement at that point. Um, a bit of nerves, a bit of confusion. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to to hear what the players um, think of the game as as the days and weeks go by and and see how they reflect on it
2: and exactly what went wrong. I uh, Just actually to that point, it's interesting you say that, I think, Ben, because I've, I've watched some stuff about, um, I, I was unfortunate enough to go out to the Euros in 2016 and paid a hell of a lot of money because obviously England Eng, England ended up in Nice um, playing their game when we all thought we'd be going to Paris and it was really expensive. But mm. So I went to the Iceland game, is the long and the short of it, um, and it was similar in a sense. And I, I've seen Gary Neville, who was obviously... A coach or the assistant manager I can't remember his actual title then and you know he was saying that he's seen the game back you know loads and loads of times and he just can't figure out what happened but I guess that's what happens sometimes when the pressure is on you that much and it sounds like from you know what Max shouted there it was just the desperation of it all kind of building up um, and I think you could probably tell that that amount of pressure was on everyone's shoulders and that's when funny things can happen I guess in in football.
1: For sure. And it's going to be easy to trot the trope out that Hereford just wanted it more. Um, Well, after a season of not playing in front of fans, whether or not you give a toss about Woking Football Club, you're going to be desperate to go out in front of 10,000 fans at Wembley. It's not going to be a question of you not wanting it enough. It's what does that desire mean? Does it make you arrogant? Does it make you nervous? Um, does it make you overthink things that are normally very simple? Um, and then once the game starts, you're, you're a cog in the machine, right? Um, so in the first five minutes, you've got a bouncing ball that comes back to Gehring, Um, And rather than just launch it into the channels for someone to chase, he hooks this odd bouncing half-volley pass across the Moosa, who has to slide his gangly frame in front of the pressing striker to, to clear it and it's, it's a brilliant clearance but what does that mean to someone like Lofthouse who's normally a right winger um, is, is still learning his trade in the men's game when he looks across at two sort of lieutenants of his side uh, scared to, to do the basics does it mean in 15 minutes time when the ball gets played in for their goal he's thinking oh I just need to protect my centre half a little bit more rather than being brave enough to go out and, and pushing the ball um, it's, it's it's tough to say on an individual basis and I, I wouldn't want to sort of tar anyone's performance with a psychoanalysis I'm not qualified to deliver but um, there's a lot of complexities that we're not going to be able to get the, the full picture of.
0: That's really uh, interesting discussion I, I, I guess just to throw into the mix two I guess picked out as, as key moments I guess in that second half when when the wheels really did start to come off and um, the first one that you, you mentioned there was obviously the, the goal that never was and the,
1: mm.
0: the Brandon Hall um, punch on, on Diarra. And I, I think you and I, Jacob, were talking during, weren't we? And I, I compared it because, I guess for Ben, you may not have heard, but my my, uh, my second team on my Premier League team for better or worse is Liverpool. And I compared it to the uh, the Virgil van Dyke Jordan Pickford moment and said that basically if you're offside, you can commit assault and it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> So I, I guess just interested to get your, your thoughts on that. And then uh, the other key moment, which was slightly bewildering, but I guess makes, makes more sense after the fact, was that you know, Ashford and Loza come off with 20 minutes to go when, you, when you're chasing a goal. And, and granted that they, they've both been struggling with injuries, but I guess just interested to, to get your opinion on, on just quite how crucial you thought that was, whether they should have played in the first place, um, what you made of the choice of substitutions when you know some of the other players that you left on the bench um, and I guess that'll, that'll segue quite nicely into the conversation about Douse.
1: I, I mean, on, on the first point, for sure, um, I, I had some conflicted emotions when the keeper punches Viara um, in their head with two fists and it's a, a free kick to them. That's a little bit counterintuitive. Um, the, the phases of play um, that the linesman has to sort of rely on to make his decision. Re- decisions. Don't seem like they accommodate the danger of the moment. And I, I have a chat with quite a few of my friends who watch the games about exactly what constitutes dangerous play and what doesn't. Um, if you can punch someone in the head, that seems fairly dangerous. But at the same time, you can't say that the keeper isn't allowed to go for the ball and that the centre-half isn't allowed to to gamble on him, on him dropping it or not, or not coming or changing his mind. It's, it's a frustrating one, but I, I don't really know how we resolve it otherwise. Um, unfortunately um and if we're able to mount any sort of attacking threat after that set piece um then, then maybe we're able to make it a moot point and we can we can gloss over it but we're left fairly frustrated in that regard um on the two subs i, I think they were both um fitness related obviously ashford had that um ankle injury a, a week 10 days ago that meant he was he was forced off for the end of that particular game um and lerza i think Um, I might be wrong, but I think he was um, a finish test prior to the game. Um, With that said, when Ashford's number was held up, the two reports in front of me turned around and went, really? Because I thought he'd comfortably been our our best attacking outlet. Um, Good in the air, brave, happy to run at his man. Um, And from the the lads coming on, I thought Napa did very, very well in the eight minutes before he did his hamstring. Um, He wasn't one. Lacking effort. I think he picked the ball up twice on the left wing and, and made something happen, sort of stealing in front of, of midfielders and trying to drive it as men. Um, and there's a pass he plays in, in the last five or ten minutes where he's he's literally just sort of walking down the, the line um, holding his hamstring and, and trying to take up a position. So others who are, have fit to play can, can do something with the ball. Um, and nevertheless he still manages to sort of half sprint into midfield and, and play the ball out to the other side and then do these big hobbling run to to mitigate the impact. Um, I, I think if he'd managed to avoid that injury, he'd have he'd have been an asset in the, the latter stages. Um, what did slightly confuse me is the absence of Matt Jarvis. Um, I know he's been a, a, a frustrating figure for some. Um, he's made 21 appearances, but I, th- I think only sort of 900 odd minutes, um, he's been a, a bench peripheral. But if you were looking for someone who wouldn't be phased by the pressure and has the technical quality to make something happen at this level, I, I would have got him on into the middle for someone like Kane Ferdinand, given the height that we already had on the pitch um, and the, the need for some composure and, and some organisation as well as some quality. Um, I, I would have liked to see him introduced at some point. Um, but it remains to be seen whether it would have made any impact at all, to be honest, given the, the mentality of the team at the time. Hmm. What about
0: yourself, Jacob? Anything to, to add on that?
2: No, not not massively. I I don't think. I th- obviously the the goal that wasn't a goal, or you know, should it have been a penalty and those things, and that seemed like the one big moment. But I was quite confident once that had happened. I, you know, it was because sometimes, as stupid as it sounds, all it takes is a, a team getting the ball in the back of the net, you know, or a big tackle or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, some confidence spurs on and, and maybe that's a, a side effect of not having fans there. So I think that point specifically, you know, I thought we'd kind of then work in our favour. But, you know, again, I think anything in the second half, you know, the later the game got, the more I think that, you know, that you could tell the pressure was there. And, um, yeah, frustrating as well. Like Even when we were throwing everything at it at the end, um, you know, we, we probably didn't have a better opportunity. So, um, yeah, a, 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 you know, a, a tricky one. But I guess ultimately, you know, we just didn't, just didn't create enough on the day and um you know Hereford had a had a free header again and I think that's that's my only thing really that I would say to it's really disappointing for us fans you know because we would you know we follow the club everywhere and and we all support them and it means a hell of a lot to us and, and we've seen that within the reactions but you know it means a lot to the players as well you know will they ever get the chance to go to to Wembley again and, and they'll be really kicking themselves because again that wasn't their best performance i don't think anyone anyone on the pitch really for us could say they played to their full potential and it was a really sloppy goal that we gave away you know a free header so you know for for the center backs you, you're probably sitting there thinking you know i had the chance to go to Wembley and, and I've, you know, all season long, I've managed to, you know, mark, mark a centre-forward out the game or, you know, turn in really good performances. And then when it really mattered, you know, I've just let someone go and they, they scored a goal. And I think that would be, the players will be really kicking themselves. Um, and actually, I, I think it was Moosa's man that, that kind of got free and did it. And it was actually, I think, if you go back and watch when Moosa was playing at um, haven earlier in the season, it was it was Moosa that wasn't marking someone that contributed to uh, Marine was it in the FA Cup who then yeah. haven't and then played Spurs in the next round and again I look at stuff like that and I'm like surely players watch these things and go if I hadn't have made that mistake that one mistake um, and so yeah it's massive for them and I'm sure they look back on it but again this is why they're part time footballers and not playing in the Premier League and the Champions League is because they make mistakes and and we move on really but I think that just makes it all the more frustrating
0: mm-hmm. Before then, we, we transition onto the conversation about Douse. Um, just wanted to, I guess, throw out there that uh, we weren't involved in the biggest shock of the day because that went in the other semi-final um, where a team that you think would have walked into the final playing a team that hadn't kicked a ball in Angus since October in, in league football at the very least and, and got turned over. So I don't know if... Uh, if either of you at least managed to raise a smile at that result, I
1: mean, talk about twisting the knife, right? Um, it's, it's what the, the first FA Trophy without a national league side in 15 years or something, something ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very pleased with them. What um, you, you want the underdogs to do well, but. Yeah, unashamedly bitter, I think, probably be the best summary of my position. If if we could go and play, I I don't even know what league they're in off the top of my head, not to to discredit them. But if you could go to Wembley to play a team multiple leagues below to win a trophy, particularly given our history with the FA Trophy and with with Wembley itself, the Chapel legacy. um, Yeah, extremely frustrating and a a bit of a kicker on on an awful day.
0: Yeah, I think you you might have had a, a, a few trying to use the, the silver lining argument of, oh, well, at least we don't have to lose at Wembley and lose our great record by That's playing sure. Notts County. Sure. Um, and as it was, it's a team that would have been two, two divisions below us. Um, there it is, isn't it? Um, right then, let's get into the meat of the argument. So I guess I'll start just by saying that, um, you know, things have... Have mellowed and, and calmed down a little bit since since the initial Ferrari on Saturday. Um, I'm usually very positive on these podcasts, and I I, I like these podcasts to be positive. So I, I absolutely do not want this to come across as any sort of character assassination or you know de- decreeing that that a man must lose his his job at incredibly difficult times because you know ultimately what I don't think anyone can question is that else has been absolutely fantastic for this football club and has done a superb job at a time when we were at the lowest of the lows taking over from you know the relegation season and the absolute mess that we were in off the pitch as well that year um he got us automatic promotion at the first attempt he got us the fa cup run he re the club on and off the pitch and he's established us back in the national league so you know without stealing uh, no doubt uh, many of your points of argument ben um i think mission accomplished for the most part for douse but um i guess there's there's you know reasons as, as we'll come on to as to as to why i sit on the side of the fence that i do um but i think between the three of us we we kind of cover the, the the range of opinions on the matter um and hopefully we can have a, uh, a slightly more civilized discussion somehow some on cardsboard uh, over the last few days but uh, before we, we we dive into i guess the pros and cons i guess interested just to to get each of your thoughts on, or initial take on, on kind of where you stand on the the argument
1: I mean from from my perspective i think it's still fairly difficult to argue for him to leave I'm very much in the the in camp, um, partially based on, on what you've said, of course, in terms of our, our competitive um, objectives over the last three seasons. He's had three campaigns, two of which have been COVID ridden, um, which makes things extremely difficult. In his first season, we have a top 10 budget. He gets us to the third round of the FA Cup. We top the league for five months and we're promoted um, with one of the, the best performances um, I think I've seen under him um, against Wielsen at home and then a comfortable playoff final um, we go up as near favourites to get relegated I think um, the bookies had us sort of fourth or fifth favourites I think at most um, we keep the core of that conference south side and we end up I think it was three or four points off the playoffs we miss out on point point something PPG um, in a curtailed season, we then have, I think, the most difficult setup of any team um, in our league. Starting with a threadbare budget that sees us chuck together a, a team of kids on the opening day, really sort of loners who've never met the squad. Um, and we we cruise out of August. We get enough points to endure a run later on, um, and we get ourselves into a position where, if we look at the league table now, I think. It, it sounds ridiculous to say it, but it's so tight that we're still sort of 14, 15 points of playoffs. We're stuck in that pack, despite a, a, a difficult watch, certainly um, a difficult period over the last three or four months, I'd say of of, of being fairly safe, even if relegation was a, a thing, I think. Um, and so in terms of achieving what he needs to do, um, getting more than you could possibly expect out of a very limited budget, um, I, I think, Despite the difficulties of the last three or four months and the the disappointment on Saturday, um, he's always achieved what he set out to do. He's had success everywhere he's gone. Um, And despite, I I guess I'd phrase it as this is the first season where he's been at par rather than overachieving. That's probably the the highest commendation I can give him because this season has been ludicrous. And out par he's hated every minute of it he's found it incredibly difficult to do his job he's, he's suffered i mean physically as well as um sort of psychologically i know he's had a very difficult time um it's good to see him sort of healthy and well again now giving everything to the job but uh, yeah very much in on that basis um Jacob, I think you're sort of in the middle of the service.
2: Maybe you could you could temper my enthusiasm for me a little. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a, a natural place to, to go next. No, I think everything you say is, is obviously true. And I think it's, it's a good assessment. And I think that's the problem is, um, you know, and you see this in, in other leagues and other teams, not just the conference and, and Woking, you know, teams like Newcastle in the Premier League, like their budget is probably whereabouts where they are in the table. But they think they should be pushing for Europe. Why? Because they think they're a big club at that level. Um, and they, you know, they probably were hunting for those things maybe 20 years ago, but, you know, not not anymore. And I think that that kind of thing with with Woking does follow us around. I don't think a lot of people really care about the budget or, or whatever. You know, they kind of see it as it is. And, um, you know, Woken, Woken should should be doing better. So I think that that's unfortunate as well, I think, because we don't have a divine right to be you know, solid mid-table pushing for the playoffs every season with, with the budget we have or, you know, and the, and the, obviously there's no divine right to be progressing in the trophy. And one of the, one of the shames really is, uh, it was a good point really, if we'd have gone out, you know, away to Sutton, I think everyone would have just gone, fair enough, Absolutely. <laughs> and moved on. So it's almost like you're a victim of your success there, aren't you? Because you've got some semi-final, but then you've lost to a team that, you know, you should be beating and, and you've gone out. I think the only thing is in, in recent weeks, I think, Everything feels like it's kind of falling in on itself. And that's not necessarily from the fans looking in from the outside doing that. I, I feel like, you know, the interviews with Douse and the catch-ups and things like this, you know, and it's his, his outburst as well. I'm going to put everyone on furlough and then the club have to come out and say, actually, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to bring in all of these players on loan. That There's been quite a few new loan players that have come in. Um, you know, recently and, and we've swapped the squad around and we, we don't play the same eleven pretty much ever and, and the formation keeps chopping and changing. I think you can just see that kind of panic to try and get back to some kind of winning way and, and I think that's kind of alienated a lot of the squad. Um, I think that yesterday, just reading the article that was on uh, the Clive Yulton one, you know, that he was saying he didn't believe that players were actually upset and mm. they were faking kind of emotions and tears in the change rooms. I just don't, I don't like that. And I I, I gather that's coming from a place that he's just frustrated about it. But I just think that, you know, maybe this game is the one where we draw a line after it and go, look, you know, that that's not good. This kind of, you know, digging the players out all the time and, you know, whether they're good enough or not, that, you know, we can't, I, there's no point having that for the rest of this season. Kind of ongoing arguments. I think what we need to do now is look at next season. But like, looking towards next season, I think again something's got to change. You know, and I think one of the things that got me in the last few weeks was this. You know, we're woke in, we're looking forwards, we're positive, we're changing. Oh, we're signing Paul Hodges. Okay, it's till the end of the season, but it's this thing of it's just like you know this easy kind of doubt. Well, I know this guy. Downs has given some money. Who's the first place he gets? The and Loza. You know, with that you know a great players, so I'd have signed both of them as well. I'm not a football manager, so it's kind of relevant, but I really like those signings and I think that they're really good players. But again, it's like, okay, you know, again, and then we're bringing in loan players that, you know, are they better than what we've got? And I think that that's something that's got to change. I don't think we can get to the end of this season or actually even very much further than now and just keep signing the same level of player because, you know, Dallas knows them and then just keep chopping and changing and bringing loans in and sending players in and back and signing players and then dual registration and not playing them. So, um, I think that that's something that needs to change. I don't want us to get to the end of the season and say, Oh, well, we're gonna retain fifteen members of this squad. There's no point. I think that 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 now the change needs to happen where he goes, Look, these are the players that we wanna keep and these are the ones that we don't, and maybe try and sort it out with some of the other ones and then play, you know, the remainder of this season. Um, you know, with a, with a team that we know are pretty much going to be there next season, including some lone players, which we've got at the moment, even if that includes having some youth players, because I just don't see the point in in having these players, you know, going through the motions, knowing they're not going to be here next season. And, you know, if that means, you know, you have to put players on furlough because they're not part of your plans, then so be it. Um, and if one of those players is Josh Casey because he doesn't want to go full-time next season, then so be it. But I would much rather that, and I think that that will get people behind us if he says, look, we need to change the way things are going now. We need to look at next season. When I was signing, you know, Sam Ashford, Nico Muir, Dolby, that was for this season. But now I'm looking at next season, and I think that that will be um, something that will be good and and to look forward to because I think he does deserve... Um, he does deserve the chance to do that next season. That you know, I think obviously he's a proven manager. He's not proven at this level, but then you know all the proven managers at this level will be in, you know, the top jobs. So um, I, I think that you know I would like to see him given the chance. But I think that it's got to be set out, and he's got to be given the backing. And if he is, I just don't think we can slip back into this format of what we're doing so far, which is that we're little old woke in. We're lucky to be here. Um, you're lucky to have this management team a little bit like um, Graham Baker and Jimmy that kind of turned into where it was you know well you're lucky to have us actually and it's like well okay but you know let's see how it's going and, and I think that, that that mentality needs to change the, just retaining players for the sake of retaining players and bringing back players just because Dows knows them and they're his mates again we've got a head of recruitment now Use use him I'm sure they are um, you know, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here, but again, that needs to change. And I just think there's a few things that we've kind of been doing and we've repeated. And, and before, as you say, Downs has got a lot of success from that. I think now that's not happening. He can't keep doing that. Um, and again, sometimes he, he turns to the loan market when we're in a bad run and it does work. Um, but again, I don't think we can keep doing stuff like that, um, you know, especially if we're looking to push forward. So I guess that's kind of a long rambling answer in a sense. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, if, you know, if, if I woke up tomorrow morning and eat, you know, he had left the club. Whether he's decided to the club, down, I'd be really gutted, really, really gutted. Um, and, and I'd really like to see him given him the chance next season to to do something with it. But again, I, I just hope these, with anything in life, um, you know, when these, you know, bad times happen—if you can call them bad times—because as you say, Ben, it, is, it might just be par. <laughs> but if you know people are seeing it at the moment as bad times because it's where we currently are, then I think mm. we've just got to learn from it and and then and then push forwards really. I think it's. Sorry, Ken, You were going to say.
0: I was just going to do a bit of a summary, really, because I think there's, you know, there's an awful lot to unpack there in in what Jacob said. You you've done a very good job. I think Ben of articulating the case for, and and Jacob has has defined, I think, sitting on the fence by giving us a, a nice mix of, of reasons for and against. Um, and I guess what what I heard jacob describe i think i was just trying to kind of in my mind divide it up into i guess kind of categories or talking points to make up the case against um uh, maybe we can we can delve into those in a bit more detail and i guess you know any that you, you disagree with ben you can you can push back on but uh the, the kind of the four that i was i was hearing were results so i just did a Quick little sum on my phone while you were talking, Jacob. And I think since the the great run at the start of last season, the brilliant August that we went on. So since September 2019, we're looking at a, a win percentage in the league of about 28%. Um, coupled with predominantly disappointing cup results over the last two seasons. The run in the FA trophy aside, which has obviously ended in the in the sort of ultimate disappointment. Um so I think there's there's something to to talk in a bit more detail there about whether results are at a level that we would expect, you know, bearing in mind all the the, the completely reasonable points that you've already made about the, the challenges at the start of this season, the, the challenges at the start of last season, you know, the, the, the the makeup of the squad, the low budget, etc. cetera. Um, I think there's a conversation to be had about the style of play. I think there's persistent questions about whether we are, actually enjoyable to watch and you know like it or not football is ultimately about entertainment and attracting fans and you know it are are we good enough week in week out to watch we've seen plenty of teams like Hereford that are in a lower division with a squad that haven't been playing together but can somehow come up with a performance that you know looked like it did on Saturday um I think there's there's definitely a conversation to be had about quality of recruitment and whether we would trust Douse as a manager when given a bigger budget with his record and recruitment um, and I think that the, the fourth and final point would be a conversation about the kind of off-the-field conduct. Uh, you know, I know we all kind of overwhelmingly praise Douse for how open and honest he is with supporters and how he is in his interviews and things, but I, I would concur with Jacob that I think it's gone too far at points this season and some of his threats really, of, of furloughing players, of consistently throwing them under the bus in opportune moments. It, it 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 used to feel like when he made those sort of threats in interviews or, or comments or, or, or said something about a player that it would galvanise them and it would have a positive impact. And I think we've seen a real trend that that has stopped happening and actually the reverse has started to happen. And whether, you know, you, you commented yeah. at the, when you, you spoke about the match, Ben, about the, the players... Kind of almost froze really near the end, and and you know Max trying to g them up, and and just nothing sort of seemed to change. I wonder if they're they're almost too scared at this point. You know, like you say, it, it, it's not a, a lack of desire; it's not not wanting to win. There's something psychologically that is is clearly not quite right because based on quality and quality alone, we should at least be able to have a shot on target in the last. 40 minutes when we're chasing an FA Trophy final. So we'll come to each of those in turn because I can see you're uh, both chomping at the bit to, to, to comment. So if we start on on the results, I guess, is the first one I mentioned. Have the results been good enough, first and foremost?
1: I it's difficult to take them in isolation for me. Um, I, I had a quick spot up of um, the results over the last... Uh, well, since Boxing Day, really. Um where I think um, we've really felt pressure on Dallas for the first time in terms of both results and style of football. Um, and if my counting's right, um, it might be from the start of January rather than Boxing Day, but it's 1 6, drawn 4, lost 7, which is the definition to me of, of lower mid table form. That's more or less what I'd expect from our budget, our manager, our team. It just turns out that the majority of those wins have been in the FA Trophy against very good teams that we didn't really expect to beat. And so you get this sort of slanting of pressure almost where we take ourselves further and further in a competition that um, if we'd gone out in the fourth round to Bromley on pens, we would not have cared about in the slightest while we're suffering um some league results that see us slip sort of further and further down the table um, and I remember, I remember a conversation um, with quite a few people on Card's board before um, we had a run of games against I think it was Dover Barnet Lynn, and Altringham um, and people were saying well, where, where does the pressure start to come from um, and I felt that if we won all four of those games, we'd be comfortably in mid-table and no one would care. If we lost all of them, we were in serious, serious trouble. Um, as it is, we won two of those. Ulster game, we slipped up, um, and the Dover game wasn't played. Um, so it, it, it's difficult to take them in isolation, especially when the league is as ludicrously tight as it is. Um, we were looking at the league table in November, and I think the only team who strung together a serious run of form was Torquay and that was enough just with a few more wins and draws to take them a a good 10-12 points clear at the time while everyone was sort of slumming it between 28 and 18 points there was something like 12 points between the top relegation spot and um, the last playoff spot one point and so it becomes very difficult to work out exactly where you are in terms of um how your team should be performing um in terms of the consistency you should be finding when when no one can find consistency um what i would also say and totally agree with um moving on slightly to the next point is that the style of play that's got those results has been excruciating at times Um, Mm -hmm. And when we, as sort of horrified as we are by the, the performance against Hereford, could we have seen a performance where the striker wasn't showing too much goal threat, where we were reliant on set pieces, where we were getting increasingly direct when we looked at Moussa from every long, but yeah, of course we could. It's just that those performances were coming in the league and then we were getting it together and putting some, if not like scintillating passing football performances, some really intent, direct, high-pressing, good attacking football in the Trophy games, Torquay should have been for all, and there, have, there hasn't been too many games this season where we've been able to say that.
0: Mm, but I guess the the frustrating point, thinking about the, the the style of play, like you say, you know, reliance on set pieces, lack of goals. It's well, the, the, I should should point out that the, the the five one over Dover has now been discounted from the league table, <laughs> so it does look slightly worse than the reality, but. 26 goals in 27 games. Um, it's 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 never at any point I don't think this season been a pleasure to watch, and I would I would argue that that could be applied to the vast majority of the time under Douse. I think even back to the Conference South days, there's only two or three performances. I'm thinking of Biller- Ricky. I'm thinking last 15 minutes against Welston when we had to throw the kitchen sink at it. There's, there's very few standout performances where we came and blew teams away. And all right, maybe it's unfair to, to expect that. And, and, you know, we're not working with the team and the budget that we had in 2011, 2012 under Gary when, you know, that probably the best working team of my lifetime, um, or, well, just about. I was not, uh, not quite old enough to remember the glory days in the 90s, unfortunately. <laughs> but the best, certainly the best working team in my fandom... We're, were regularly picking teams apart, so maybe it was unfair to expect that. But it it, it never sat well with me when we were talking about you know tenth highest budget in the league and you know expecting to come mid table and you know this is this is veering into a different point, but the 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 underlying issue I think has remained throughout the last three years that we have rarely if ever been good to watch and we have got increasingly direct and increasingly reliant on set pieces and the goals have dried up and since Jake Hyde has gone unfortunately and I know obviously it's, a, it's very challenging to replace your top striker when he leaves we've we've lacked any sort of threat up front and I think you know Rob Hemingway who, who has some very balanced and reasoned tweets um, uh, with with kind of arguments for and against uh, put something out the other day that I think Woking strikers have managed 13 goals in 93 games between them this season and that's not just an indictment on the quality of strikers and we'll come on to the recruitment in a minute that's an indictment on the style of play generally um, and I honestly believe that if Moussa Diarra had been here in August he'd be our top scorer I have absolutely no doubt about that at all.
1: I, I think I'd agree with you for the most part. I'm I'm under no illusions that we have a um a, a pragmatic manager, shall we say, in terms of his style of play. Um, and I think the majority of fans would agree that the defence is decent and the attack has been um, varying between acceptable and threadbare, depending on on where we were in the season. Um, we have played lone roulette to an extent. Um, the lauded signing of Jonte Smith. Um, all I can remember is the miss at, at Ultraman um, prior to that 1-0 loss. That's glazing uh, into my, my consciousness. I, I strongly past that a little bit. Um, and it, it says something that a, a 17-year-old kid who was scoring six goals against three bridges in the FA Youth Cup in, in October um, has been one of the most exciting attacking outlets um, we've seen this season.
0: What about for yourself, Jacob?
2: Yeah, it is it, it is tricky, isn't it? Because I think then when, when you look at it, um, you know, and I think that's why the hope is is for next season, though, is because I, I think then you look at it and you go, yeah, but but what if, if you know, what if we did get a good, a good budget and those kind of things? I guess the one thing that, that kind of worries me about that is I think that, you know, when we do have our... Best 11 out there at the moment, there are some really good players there. And I think that's what makes it all the more difficult to take the run of form and and especially Saturday's loss as well, actually, is because, you know, it's it's all well and good saying, you know, well, we've got a shoestring budget. What do you expect? But actually, when you look at our team and you look at some of the players in it, you're like, Yeah, but that team should be winning those games. Um, I don't know if that's because we've overstated a lot of our players and and that's a different discussion to have. Um, And if so, then they shouldn't be in next season if if that's the case. But, um, you know, we have got some really exciting attacking players there. You know, Napa's won, Lowe's has won. You know, Ashford Ashford. obviously looked good. And, you know, there's there's a few. But again, it's, you know, you can't find the goal scorer. Um, But actually then when we did have a goal scorer there, Josh Davison um, obviously he started like a train it was brilliant but then actually in that poor run which kind of Ben referenced earlier we were giving him no service and we what we did in that run is we just stuck with the same tactics and we barely had a shot on target for about six games it was crazy as we just you know we, we and that was that was that was worrying I think um, that's when we could look at it and go you know this isn't this isn't working. But again, then we did recapture some form and, but obviously Josh moved on, but again, we did have a proven goal scorer there for a time and, um, and he disappeared. Um, The only other thing I would say is maybe we have selective memory though, about some other managers that have been there in the past. You know, I'm not even sure, you know, I'm not sure Gary always kind of had tactics that were, you know, revolutionary or or spot on, but I think looking back, we remember some of the players got on in his prime, Betsy, um, some of those players. And, um, you know, maybe we, we remember it as kind of as, as or better than it was, maybe. I, I'm, I'm not too sure, really. And and again, that looks at you know, if you were looking at options going forwards, and I know we're going to discuss that, is, you know, are there really many teams in this league that are consistently good to watch? Um, mm. Stock, Stockport fans will probably say they were the day they smashed us. But looking at some of their results since then, their fans are probably pulling their hair out and going... You know we've got the, the you know the all stars team, and even we can't put many good performances together. So it's a it's a really tricky one.
0: I think there is a point around measuring expectations. You know, as I say, my other team is is Liverpool. And they've got their own problems this season, so maybe this is a bad example. But I'm not sitting here expecting us to you know play tiki taka silky football and team turn teams over four or five nil on a regular basis. That isn't my level of expectation. But there was a point, I think, particularly over the Christmas period, January, um, maybe into the start of February, where I was watching games and I I wasn't expecting us to score. I, I'd i given up on that. I, I was hoping we'd have a shot. That was my level of expectation that I'd reached. I haven't done the job of counting up how many games we have not haven't scored in this season, but it it's close, if not more than a 50-50 ratio, and... Mm-hmm as i say the the style has got progressively more one dimensional and I, I see some of the you know firmer sort of Dow supporters and i'd be interested to hear how you respond to this ben saying you know he's not sending the players out there with the instruction of just hoof it that's that that's not what he's doing if that's the case i would like to know what he is doing because that's all i can think he is asking them to do because that's all they do do
1: I mean, it, it puts me in mind of a conversation I had with someone who was at the training um, on Thursday before we played Hereford on the Saturday. And one of the first um, instructions that was being given, um, I was told, by the, by the management team was, right, we're going to press from the front. We're really going to get into them. We're going to take our territory. And then we're sort of 15 minutes into the game. Um, and you've got the two central midfielders, Cooper and Ferdinand, almost on the toes of, the and Goering trying to keep our penalty box safe from the Hereford number 10, who has just received his third ball into that spot in front of the penalty area, turned and played in one of the two wide men. And having heard that and and then watched what happens on the pitch, the disconnect in the instructions is is palpable and I don't know exactly where blame lies for that. I mean, maybe it is that Dallas isn't able to um, motivate this current crop of players. I think one of the most damning indictments I can say of Dows is that he's trusted players who've let him down and that has to be his fault as, as well as theirs. Um, we've had some players who he's put a lot of faith in who've played a huge amount of games who, who haven't turned up consistently in, in, in quite some time. Um, but my counter-argument from that position is, well, we're about to lose 60 70 80% of this squad and if we don't, I would posit that Dallas would be gone within a year anyway because we're about to go to a full-time model, we're going to make a huge transition away from all these players who've who've got a, a work-life balance that full-time just, just wouldn't suit. I mean, we haven't seen Dave Tarpey in a goal-starved team since December, January. I, I couldn't tell you the last game in which he's played for us, and that was sort of agreeing with the boss. Um, you've got players like Cooper and Goering who have got to commute in from... So I, I don't know where they live in, in, in Torquay, Cornwall that that part of the world but you've got sort of huge transitions and, and gary has got a job at home can, can we expect him to come full time move his entire family up to the, the south maybe not and and so we're going to see this necessary turnover of a lot of the uh, Dows' lieutenants of, of of that that core national south team that whether or not it was attractive um, managed to find the success we needed to, to elevate us into this league and then to attempt briefly to try and get us into the next one. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think, I think the, that, the, sorry, go on.
0: I was just going. I think that leads us, you know, quite nicely onto the you know, the next point that I was uh, going to talk to uh, about recruitment. Um, and it did, I did do the job of counting this one up. And I, I went through and I counted how many players that Douse has used in the last, well, just less than three years. And the answer is 88. And of course, to, that me is that, <laughs> to me, that is, is just a, a mind-boggling statistic. And I guess the challenge that I would make, particularly looking ahead to next season, is what is the hit rate of those signings how many of them have been genuinely successful for the club either as a short term loan or as a you know as a long term project or a long term player i would i would make a strong argument for less than 20% i mean
1: i'd, I'd suggest that's slightly cynical um <laughs> in my opinion and i think a lot of that is due to the, the part-time model that we we've operated under um douse loves sort of attritional signings that he hopes will improve the team but also doesn't suffer falls i mean how many players in that first national south season came in played one or two games went up to scratch and we never saw them again um they're raising the statistics without necessarily having a big impact on, on the team itself. Um, whereas you've got players like Cook, Casey, Goering, Max, Hyde, um, Rossi, who have come into the team, nailed down their quality. And if they can maintain it, they are, I, I, I'd guess they're almost all woken Centurions, um, purely under Daoos. Um, and, and so I, I I view that statistic a little bit kinder um, so, then I guess the most, and I, I might be wrong. Maybe it's an unacceptable level of turnover even for a part-time side. Um, but from the sort of one-month loans to cover injuries to the um, players he sort of drops in, don't make the grade and he takes them out again straight away. And if they don't make it in training in the month, we never see them again. Um, I, I'm not as concerned about the level of turnover because the players that do get here and do nail it stay in, um, and it's some of those I think that have, have made this season difficult which he sort of acknowledged himself in in some of his interviews and said maybe i've i've been too loyal um so I'm expecting a a stronger level of turnover as part of what he needs to do to to stay at this club and to to progress the team that we've got
0: yeah i'd i you know i'd accept the you know the, certainly the pushback there and you're right that there's you know there's a lot of players that are there for for a game for two games for three games that are are bloating that statistic um but you know i i would still I guess, argue that, is that good for morale? Is that good for, you know, finding a settled team, for finding a settled formation? You know, some of those points that you kind of picked up on earlier, Jacob, where's the the consistency if there's a new face in the dressing room every week? And I think, you know, one of the reasons that, the Friday catch-ups were so successful, is because you just knew there was going to be a new signing announced in every single one of them, and that's what everyone was tuning in for. Like David does a great job, don't get me wrong, but you know that's quite a hook if you if you come in to see who the new player is every Friday. And I guess you know we, you also spoke Jacob earlier about loan roulette, and I think the hit rate on that in particular has has worsened particularly this season. And, and you know I, I accept that that budgets are, are limited and that the quality of players available might be, might be limited. Um, but take, you know, take Dalby, for example. And, you know, I don't want to, he's, he's a young kid. I, I've got nothing against him. I don't want to, um, you know, go in too hard on him, but what's he doing in that team on Saturday? It's his second game. He's been here for a, a week. Why, why is he playing? Like, you know, you've got enough other players in your squad and, you know, John T. Smith, you know, we, we could have a whole conversation about him and we've talked about him on other podcasts and why that's not worked. But if you feel like you're having to sign a teenager out of the blue to play in your biggest game of the season, what does that say about, you know, the other seven, eight strikers that we've already gone through this season? Um, Jacob, what do you what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, there, there is a lot. There was, by the end of the game on Saturday, there was, a, there was a hell of a lot of forward players on the pitch. Um, you know, because Muir came on and well, Ashford had been on and Dolby had been on, and you know, there was just more and more. And actually, probably the, the most successful of the, of the season, obviously Davison aside, was probably Wareham, who obviously then in a cruel twist wasn't there because he was, you know, he was playing a game at Chelsea on Saturday, which you know, you know, probably says a lot about where we're at at the moment and, and, and the whole situation. But yeah, I think it's, um, I think it is frustrating. And I gather that that one of the things about going full-time is this, you know, there will be more training next season and and the management team, the coaching team will get a chance to, you know, kind of actually do a lot more sessions with players. Um, And that might actually help, um, you know, players that are signed on for a contract for the season, whether they're loan or um, actual signings, you know, but they're there for a long period, you know, Dowson and the team have got to work with them. They can't give them two or three games and then go, no, next bring someone else in next and hope for instant success and so we've got to you know that, that's something that has got to be delivered and, and I expect you know it, it, it will be and I think that the club will be asking that you know of Dallas because you know again and, and you know I don't really enjoy it either because I think if you think of a game like the trophy game but any game really you know do a lot of these players really care you know a lot of these ones that have kind of come in on a really short loan spell or they're here just until the end of the season or whatever like I don't. I shouldn't think it really means a great deal for them. I it did on it did maybe on Saturday because, you know, even the loan players or the sh- short-term signings might be there until the end of the season. So technically, they would go to Wembley too. But at any other point in the season, like. There's not real incentive for them, I don't think, to really get stuck in. So I think maybe if we've got players kind of nailed down, then, then they will. But actually, going back to your statistic earlier, just to kind of round it off. So you've got the 88, which was obviously your point, Glenn. And then, and then Ben, your one was, you know, well, we've actually got this kind of core of players. But in a sense, in my mind, that makes it worse because, you know, the Rosses, Gerrins, Casey's, Diaris, they've played a lot you know of games so then you've probably got you know six seven players that have played most of the games throughout the tenure um and then you've got all of the other all of the others that have kind of come in for really short spells and yeah I, I i just don't like i don't i don't really enjoy the kind of mixture of it it's great if you do find a gem and then we can keep them um but again the, the amount of mediocre players that kind of come in and are no better than what we've got i would almost rather we just played someone who was on our book someone like a tommy block like I, d- I don't know where, we've not really got lone players in the midfield position, but again, I would be more cl- inclined for him to have a run of games because he's our player and he's going to be there for the season. I'd like to see him de- develop rather than mm. panic signing someone in a position and going, well, here's a kid from Warsaw and he's here <laughs> for a month. Do something. And it, it, it more often than not doesn't work.
0: Yeah, there does feel like there's a, maybe this is harsh, it does feel like there's a little bit of a lack of loyalty. And like you say, occasionally you do find a gem, you find an Armani Little, you find, um, you know, Josh Davison. There, 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 are, there are good ones that he's, he's picked out. But, yeah, it, it, it frustrates me, this, this approach. Um, and I think the other thing that, that's really struck me this season is there's been, there's been so much focus on finding strikers and he's been quite happy to rotate through these strikers and, like you say, Jacob, next one, next one. I try and find one that hits, and, you know, Davidson had a, had a good little run of games and then tailed off, but I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that he's not blind to the issue or ignoring the issue. I'm sure it is just a matter of who, and, who he can and who he can't get, but the fact that he hasn't done more to improve a midfield that has been so, so poor for a few a good few months now. And, and I realize the irony that, you know, we were waxing lyrical in August about how good the the trio of of Ferdinand, Cooper, Block, and then Dempsey started the season. But this has been an issue now for probably four months where they may as well not be there. They're just being bypassed in games. It is defenders lump through to the strikers, defenders lump through to the strikers, play for set pieces. We need someone in the middle to put their foot on the ball. Uh, Where's that player? Why why is it another striker and another striker? They're not getting any service. There's no point bringing in new strikers if no one's going to give them the ball.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I think that has been one thing. And, And on paper, it did look quite exciting in that midfield. And I think at the start of the season, it was to a point. And on their day, all of the players within that midfield have well at points this season, they have played well and you know they, they have been good. You know, Cooper is, is top of the assists. I know some of them are set pieces, obviously, but um, you know, still he, he was he's been a good player, I think, you know, across the board. Um, in certain games, Ferdinand as well, he can, you know, if the team are playing well, he's brilliant, he, he's a great, great player, but um, it doesn't happen consistently enough. And you know, again, that might be something to do, you know, with, with the tactics as well. Um, you know, if we're just saying. Uh, you know, where we need to kind of get it down the channels and and get it to the front man, or you know whatever, then then that doesn't uh, it, it doesn't particularly it doesn't particularly help, and it just uh, I, you know that, that and and that's the thing I think moving forwards is it will be interesting to see just how many of those because again like that use that midfield trio as a, as an example, right? Um, you know I. You know, on current workings, I might not offer any of them a deal for next season. But if that's going to be the case, or they don't want to stay, they don't want to watch into full time, whatever, then move them on. Like, don't we just let's just not have them for the rest of this season because there's no point us playing 12 more games or whatever it is with Ferdinand Cooper, Dempsey, whatever. And they're not creating anything and they're not actually stopping any, they're not doing anything defensively, they're not doing anything going forwards. It's like, what's the point? We might as well literally say to three academy kids, come and play centre midfield and just see what happens for the rest of the season. I'd be more inclined to watch that um if if those that was happening in the games. Because it just feels like a big waste of time for everyone. If Downs has fallen out with them and doesn't think they're good enough, they're not doing what he wants them to do, they're not, you know, part of the tactics that we're playing. What it just at the moment it kind of feels we're in that point where it's like if players are underperforming and they're not actually going to be here, what's the point of keeping them on? I don't know if you can furlough players for that reason alone, but if they're surplus to requirements um, and, you know, if we use this kind of end of the season to start building something for the future, I think that that actually be a positive to come out of where we're at right now, because as we've said, a lot of these players in Douse's eyes have let him down badly. Um, and I just don't see a point in them hanging around the squad or playing and not really caring because they, you know they don't like Dallas because he's kind of crapped all over him in in the media in the in the last few weeks, and they don't like his tactics and these things. It's it's, it's one of those really. So it's kind of a, a kind of moved off topic a little bit, but it, it just seems now would almost be the point to you slimline everything down, get rid of what we don't need, and then almost just see where we're at moving forwards. Because again, there's a lot of these players, loans or not loans, that I don't think are going to be part of the plans, and they shouldn't be part of the plans going forwards because. Um, You know, if we start to just, oh, well, you know, the ex-player is, you know, he's good sometimes. And I think that's the worst thing, I think, with Woking fans is after a couple of wins, we build the players up. And after a couple of losses, we knock them down. But I think that's football fans in in general, isn't it? So um, there is an opportunity, I think, to come out of all of this. Um, But I think we need to start seeing that direction of what we want to do as a club and as a management team, because... um, but it really wouldn't surprise me if we went out and we sent some loans back and we signed some more loans before the end of the season. But unfortunately, I think that's where we're at with it, aren't we?
0: I think you've uh, you've given me quite a nice segue. So I'll move on to the, the final point that I raised um, earlier on, which is the approach off the pitch. Um, and I'm just going to... I'll say my piece on this one and then um, I'll pass it over to, you, to the two of you. Because as I said, I don't want it to get... Personal and, and you know ultimately I've, I've got nothing for respect for the, for the job Dallas has done and for the amazing, truly amazing work that he's done off the pitch unlike anything I've ever seen from a working manager before so he, he deserves immense credit and I don't want, want what I'm about to say to, to, to take away from that but I think it, it does have to be recognised that over the last few months in particular there has been a stark increase in his willingness to throw players under the bus metaphorically to the press in post-match interviews in Friday catch-ups um there has been some quite hard threats you know the furlough one being the obvious example of if you don't win this game that's it you know which from from what it appears is is not the case um we we may be wrong on that we don't know yet um, I think throughout his his tenure he has been pretty easily antagonised by fan comments and you know you, you can believe or not believe the I don't read card, cards board line but if he doesn't then clearly someone is, is feeding him what's being said about him and it, he doesn't like it which, you know which is understandable I, I, n- nobody would um, football forums can be a, a very hostile and, and vile environment in times but it does concern me that a manager can't put those sort of petty grudges aside. And, and you know, this isn't a, an issue that is alone to Woking. You know, we all had a laugh about it at the time, but he was still feuding with half the Hampton fan base, you know, three months after he joined Woking. Um, he, he does seem to, to pick fights quite easily. Um, and the other point that I would make is that for someone that, that, you know, preaches a policy of open and honest with the fans. There's been a, a bit of a weird lack of transparency on kind of key issues at, at times this season. You know, players that were were critical and that were playing every game that suddenly disappeared. I still don't know what happened to Sol and I assume his loan expired. No one ever said anything. So I just was left to assume, um, you know, what's happened to tarpe I, I think we've, we've pretty much got to the bottom of that one, but I don't believe it's ever... Been spoken about. I may be wrong, um, but he's again a key player that has just vanished off the face of the earth from a footballing point of view. There may be good reasons for all of that, but I I, I do wonder. And you you don't want to go in the opposite direction. I know what the alternative is, which is a you know a, a critically trained, media trained you know manager like Anthony Limbrick, who will say all the right things but will not say anything else. And when the going gets tough, it will just sound like a robot repeating the same things. I, I guess what I'm what I'm wanting is a is a happy medium and someone that can be open and honest with people without it turning into a thirty minute rant every week about everyone that he's annoyed with. Um, as I say, I'll pass it over to you, and and, and you guys can both say your piece. On the um, yeah, I, I
2: I think so. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's been tricky. I mean. All of this thing, I mean, will it will it will things change going forwards? And and, and that'll be interesting to see, I think, because it's you know where do you where do you come back from from a position like this, where it feels like um, either the squad are kind of ignoring every, all the tactics that we're putting out there. Um, you know, there's there's kind of loads of rifts within there, I think. And um, you know, is it that there's a massive clear out and we start afresh with with other players, new players? Um, predominantly new players anyway. And I think that that would solve some of the issues that you're talking about in terms of, you know, following up with the players and and you'd hope as well. I, I think that going forwards, obviously the, the media stuff needs to needs to be managed, I think, in a sense. Um, you know, I don't think as a club it's it's massively responsible if you, you know, those kind of rants are happening and then you just say, you know what, let's reserve half an hour every week and just let you go wild for it. Um, because it's not always a positive. There's a reason a lot of clubs don't do that. Um, you know and, and it does bring a certain element of transparency to some things but to your point we, we don't hear others but I just think you know what what's the alternative I think that um, you know if if we were to, to move on um, you know I think you know Gary used to give used to rant as well and say kind of snidey things about the board in, in interviews to, to get a reaction and, and Limbrick was just so media trained obviously because of his past that you never really knew what he he really felt, and you know he just kind of uttered the the usual cliches, and um, you know as again that didn't work. So I think that you know the, there's there's a, there's a medium to be found somewhere, but um, you know I think when it's working with Douse, it's it's great and it's brilliant. And <clears throat> but that's the thing with man management, I think, isn't its Is when things are on track, it's brilliant. When things aren't going your way, then I think it it can it can be really difficult. So. Um, Yeah, again, I think, but I think, again, as a club, I think that's something we probably need to support him with, Um, you know, because I think also the club probably have a duty to the players, um, you know, especially if they've signed them on on a year contract or 18 month deal or whatever, not to just get hounded every single week in the press, because we've seen it at clubs, you know, even at the the professional level, like Luke Shaw at Man United, uh, when Jose Mourinho was there, it was just like, I'm just going to make an example of Shaw every week for like, no apparent reason. It's like, well, why? Um, you know, what's the benefit here? But, but you know, it does happen with managers. But I think as well, the club, um, you know, do need to support with that, and, and the rest of the management team do because there's there's not really uh, many benefits in it.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that, and I think it's it's a very difficult position for him to be in, particularly because of the community work. That we've alluded to. Um, I think it was a catch up either last week or the week before where he said he gets a real buzz out of being the community man, of being able to walk down the street and say, Hi, oh, seeing you on football training on Wednesday. Like, uh, oh, how was your visit to the hospice on, on Monday, whatever it is? Um, he wants to be that man about town and bring the community together. Um, unfortunately, for the last um, 12 months, a little bit more, um, we've been confined to far less of that contact than, than we would like and so it wouldn't surprise me if um the distilled comments that filter through him i, I think he said his, his family or his son um look at some of the forum stuff and then and then tell him that i firmly believe from a technical perspective he wouldn't know how to google cardboard i absolutely have faith in that um the twitter um, stuff like that um but I I can see why um some of the comments and, and let's be honest, some of us who comment don't have a clue what we're talking about. A, a, a lot of what floats around on the internet is 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 baseless and an emotional reaction to to big um games like Saturday and, and then the frustrations of being at home and not being able to be there and, and the changing um interaction with football in general um all leads to a, a more negative and a, a more spiky or distilled environment in which these conversations take place um, that's not an excuse um by any means i think tarpi um there was some sort of um conversation or agreement between them where it suited R P not to be in squads and it suited Dallas, not to be mixing bubbles or something like that i think that's been mentioned um but omissions like Shotham that i don't think we're ever spoken about that can be a little bit frustrating um, from a fan perspective but at the same time there's an assumption of um or, or i guess some complacency in how much transparency we are afforded if something's gone wrong behind the scenes we don't have a right to to see that, if it was just that Dallas didn't rate this player, a 20-year-old coming down for his first bit of senior football, maybe it's healthier that we don't talk about it at all. I mean, I know there was some conversation on the forum around whether or not we should be speaking on um, Jaden Wareham and how that had been conducted um, and all of the conversations that went with that. We, we don't want to impact the players in the same way that we we impact the manager. Um, so there, there are difficult nuances to, to negotiate, basically. Um, I would agree with you in that the um, the threat that now may or may not be a threat that we're going to furlough X amount of players or maybe not. Um, we need to see how that plays out now because we're, if we are going for a, a clean slate and not taking a lot of these players on next season, I totally agree with Jacob in that a good chunk of them should not be here. Um, they, they shouldn't be playing in front of exciting youth players like Wareham, like Saeed, um, like Cambling, who have all been mentioned in different catch-ups this season. and, and the Yeah. And the exposure to um, youth football could do them the world of good in some cases, um, as we've seen with Jaden. So it's it's a difficult position, and I I don't want to um, invoke my rights to see dust his head too much, essentially. But at the same time, there are um, certain behaviours you have to to stick to that I think he has crossed at times. I agree.
0: And I don't. I guess last last point on this before we before we leave it be. I think I'm right in saying it's not the first time that he's he's made a threat like that I'm sure I remember a point last season where he said the whole team going on the transfer list um, and if you you start to get the impression I guess that this is this is a regular tactic or a regular ploy which to me doesn't doesn't sit comfortably with me and and I have to imagine that players that have worked with Dows for a long time you know Josh Casey's Um, Jack Cooks, the the players that that were at Hampton and and maybe even before, they must just roll their eyes at this point and go, oh yeah, we've had a bad day. He's off on one again. Uh, I just don't know how that breeds the sort of relationships in the dressing room that that you would want.
1: Yeah, it's a a complicated one. I know one of the first things he did when he came into the club was get four or five bouncers he referred to them as, um, who could sort of help him manage a, a changing room. Um, and I, I guess that gave me comfort rather than concern because those players had come up with him from, I think the ESPN Prem, been South. Um, there were people who knew exactly how he worked and how the dressing room needed to be. And I guess to be a really successful club, you need those characters who you know can establish a certain standard for the new players, especially if you're transfer. Um, strategy is as attritional as it's been under Dallas with players that are coming in for one or two games. Um, you can imagine low players having their, their first exposure of senior football, um, seeing Dallas tear them a new one at half-time and going, oh my God, I really need to put my ideas up here. The guys who understand exactly how Dallas works in, in troubled situations are able to then manage their emotions and take them out onto the pitch. And In theory, I can see exactly how having people who would roll their eyes could actually be a good thing. Would I say it's been a good thing on the last three or four months of of performances and results? It's difficult to say. And it feels like um, the game on Saturday wasn't just the end of our competitive season. It was the end of an era for several working players. Um, I was under the assumption at the end of that game that we wouldn't see quite a few of those players again. Um, whether or not that turns out to be the case we'll have to see but it will be interesting to see exactly how that threat or non-threat is ultimately executed.
0: Good time to have a Easter weekend doubleheader of Torquay away and Notts County at home we'll all look forward to those two Um, Cool. So before we um, cross over I guess into the conversation about potential alternatives and, and you know I think regardless of of which side of the fence that we sit on. And, and I think we've done a good job, hopefully, of, of articulating the, the different viewpoints and arguments so far in, in this podcast. Um, there will be one eye, I, I think, naturally cast to the future, um, whether you want us to stay or not. There was the, obviously the kind of the inconclusive, you know, admittedly quite heartbreaking interview after the game on Saturday where he said, you know, effectively, I'm, I'm going to go away and have a think about what's next. Um, but I guess the first question to ask is is you know based on all, all the factors that we've talked about so far this evening would at the start of a you know the the much heralded three-year plan version three, four whatever we're on now, um, would you would you trust and, and be in support of, of DOWS on a, on a full-time schedule on a full-time budget um, with working with with full-time professional footballers is that is that something that Excites you, worries you. Um, I guess that's uh, so, you know maybe help sum up what we've what we've talked about so far.
1: I mean, I, I find it very difficult not to afford him the opportunity. Um, it's been his dream job for this long, and I think the results that we've got so far are based on the hard work that comes from someone wanting it a ridiculous amount. I mean, he, he called Saturday the worst day of his life. I think he's he's a very emotionally driven. Manager um, and one who who loves this area of this club. Um, I can't imagine us getting anyone in who wants it more on a personal level. Um, I look at the other appointments that clubs with a far better budget than us are making um, and the managers that they're removing. And I'm not moved to I, I'm not jealous, I guess I should say. Um, we're seeing youth coaches appointed at places like Stockport and Bromley um, or uh, I, I think Notts County have appointed someone who's got some experience in, in Scandinavia. I think he managed Osterson for a while. Um, and some of these managers don't have any 1st um, team experience. I mean, Bromley have appointed Arsenal's goalkeeping coach for the last 15 years. He might be the next best thing um, or, or, or the best manager we've ever seen at non-league level. He might be one of the um, innumerable youth coaches who've sort of rolled through this league and, and found out that management isn't for them. Um I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're a club that is based almost entirely on um, the support of the local community. I don't think we have a better champion for that than Douse. Um, So when I look at the football, I see the competitive boxes ticked. Um, I expect a large overhaul of the squad over the next um, three to four months. I mean, we could see it within the next couple of weeks, but certainly by the start of next season, I'd expect a, a... brand spanking new squad that looks very different to the one we have now um, and I look at not what we owe him but based on previous achievements what I think he's deserved to have a crack at I cannot pick out a name who would excite me replacing him and on that basis I'd, I'd say have at it here's your dream job here's your full-time budget Um go and stake your plan to be the first working manager to get into the Football League in two, three, five years and see how it goes. Um if 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 we stay loyal to the core of players and, and certain ways of working, I think that could that can end sooner rather than later. But ultimately I have faith in Douse that he knows where the problems are, he now has the tools to solve them. Um and that from like a club custodian point of view, we couldn't be better placed.
0: I think uh I'll just add before Jacob jumps in that you, you may want to consider a job in uh, being a, a publicist or a press officer, Ben, because I think that was uh, a very well-articulated uh, defence of, of Daos. But uh, Jacob, what are your thoughts on, I guess, uh, the immediate future? and? Uh, yeah, and any any kind of names, I guess, that, that stand out as, as possible alternatives should should we either choose to go in a different different direction or or be forced into one by by Dust deciding that he wants to step aside. Yeah, it's been interesting because yeah. there's obviously been a few kind
2: of non-league managerial casualties in the last few weeks, and obviously some of those get talked about again. I don't necessarily think any of them would be, you know, really up for the for the working job, because I, I think that one of the things Um, Obviously, we talk about this um, investment, and I just think it's a bit of a smokescreen, really, sometimes. Because, you know, I think when you talk to kind of different people about it, the budget is is improving, but it's it's certainly I don't think going to be like a you know, playoff chasing budget, which, and why would it, you know, when you think of when we might have teams like Stockport who are spending loads and Wrexham who've got, you know, endless amounts of money now and, and teams like that in the league where, you know, why would someone still want to come to Woking? who, albeit we are increasing our budget, but it, you know, it still probably won't, won't be a massive one. So, um, you know, again, I don't think we can we can expect miracles there, but uh, it does feel like um as you say, the youth coaches that are kind of going in <clears throat> feel very similar to Limbrick. um and obviously we don't want to go down that route again i'm I'm much happier having a douse um in you know in charge and um yeah like he he knows the he knows the league um you know, better than he did when we first came up. and But he is, for all his experience, unexperienced at this actual level. Um, he's done a lot of work lower than this, but, it, you know, he's not. And I now predominantly see the National League as League Three. Um, and that every time you know, a club drops down or something happens, I just think that that becomes more and more relevant. So I think that that's certainly the case with, you know, what's happening at Wrexham and, and Stockport has mentioned, you know, you look at some of the money being spent and I don't think this is now like the conference of back in the day where, you know, everyone's part-time and it's just an extension of non-league. I think it, it really is like the football league now and <clears throat> I think that you know, as long as we can we can set ourselves up and, and have the backroom stuff. so have a head of recruitment. You know, it, it does seem like Dallas only knows certain players. But, you know, if you've got someone out there whose job is to to find these talents um, and present them to our, you know, management team and, and board, great. That will, that will take a job away from him. So I think it's stuff like that that is really going to, I think, benefit him. And, and he definitely deserves the opportunity to go and do it because of everything he's done for Woking. But also I think that there's a lot of teams probably at our level that would want someone like Dowse, because then when they look at that kind of overview that Ben gave at the very start of the podcast, you know, went to Woking up in the first season, had the cup run, you know, it got the team into the top half. Those kind of things. Um, there would be a lot of teams, I think, at this level that would, would snap our hand off for him um, because of because of his successes. I think sometimes we forget those um, going forwards. And, and as I say, you know, I would entrust him with the, you know, taking us forward next season. Um, and if things don't work out at that point, then you know they don't work out. But I think at this point, it would be crazy, and a very much a grass is always greener. Um, you know, point of view to say, well, we just get rid of him and, and get someone else in, whoever that person is, um, because you know, I think all managers at this level certainly will, will have their flaws of some sort.
0: I'll throw the inevitable name in the mix, and I know that I've already got some grief on Twitter for this, but I know it's the the popular name being thrown out there, and that's obviously Neil Smith. Um, I think, uh, 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 and this, you know. it was the name that I I jumped to as many others did in a a kind of a reactionary fashion off the back of Saturday. It it may be that there are better people out there for the job, but I think he certainly would be one I'd be looking to investigate a bit more thoroughly to invite him for an interview Um, should should we get that far down down the path um, to needing to appoint a new manager. Um, Obviously, you know his his track record is is not dissimilar in the sense that it reads promotion from Conference South, established middle to lower tier sort of sides in terms of reputation and stature, um, and established them in the conference. Um, you know they've they've I think had three three years at this level now potentially. Um, he's got you know the the benefit of of experience of working in a full time setup of working with a, a a bigger budget certainly than what we've got at the moment potentially you know you don't know the exact numbers potentially even slightly bigger than what we'll be working with next season we don't know but I, I believe that, that the likes of of Bromley along with I think Sutton and Aldershot were, were the two that or the three that we were sort of compared to anecdotally as what of sort of what we'd be looking at next season so you look at the squad that he's he's built at Bromley. I think that you know there's there's quite a lot of of good players there, um, and, and players that he's he's picked up from you know sort of lower leagues, from uh, academy dropouts, things, people that have have kind of established themselves, I guess, at Bromley rather than um, being sort of brought in as as established quality conference players with a couple of, you know, exception, obvious exceptions, the, the Michael Cheeks and things of the world. Um, he's got uh, an FA Trophy final appearance on his CV as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, the the affinity with Woking doesn't hurt either. Um, he's He's got the, He's certainly a good reputation in the fan base. You know, people throw the word around, legend around very easily. Ultimately, he was just a player that was here for quite a long time at a time when we weren't very good. Um, but he, he, he certainly does seem to have an affinity with the club. And I know that he, he does still seem to be around in some capacity. Um, and if, as I say, if you look at, look at Bromley over the last few years, promoted, established, and at the time of his departure, sitting in a playoff place, um, and, and, you know, a lot of their, their fans seem to be very, very disappointed that, that he'd been asked to go. Um, I know there's been question marks over his sort of style of football and Bromley's style of football, but, you know, I can't say that I sit and watch Bromley or their highlights every single week. I, I don't know really beyond their games with us what they are like to watch week in, week out. Um, but, you know, the, the win percentage is slightly better. The goals for is certainly better would we get um, a more entertaining style of football? Would we, would we get someone that was um, more experienced of, of dealing with that kind of setup? Would we get someone that was slightly better um, at dealing with the press and interviews and things like that? You, you, you don't know, it's, it's impossible to say at this point, but I guess it's, it, it would be wrong not to throw that, that name out there as, as the one that, that so many people have, have jumped to and suggested.
1: I mean he's, he's certainly the popular choice for a reason for sure, um obviously the affinity with the club and uh, I guess a similar trajectory to dows in in bringing Bromley up from the south and establishing establishing them as a um a, a force at this level um at the same time um last season I know they had something close to double our budget and finished three points behind us um and despite us having the sort of crisis we've had over the last three months, if you want to call it a crisis, um, they're 10 points ahead of us with two games more played, um, despite having that financial advantage again. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know enough, to be honest, to comment on on the style of play or um, whether or not he would, he would drastically improve us. I, I understand why the, why the conjecture's there, of course. Um, but from a, a Douse-In perspective, um, I guess I would want it to be bad enough to take that risk and for me it's it's not yet um that's obviously a subjective thing not just on results but on the the style of play for the last several months which has been um a frustration for everyone i think um but yeah it's not on that stage at, at least for me i'm sure others will feel differently
0: yes um yeah good fair fair point fair point um as we look to wrap up then uh, i think we're probably close to if not set the record for the for the longest episode of Cardcast we've ever recorded but uh, I hope you've you've bared with us it's uh, there's a lot to a lot to unpack tonight but uh, as I say as we as we head towards a close and we look at at the rest of this this season and beyond I think you know worth worth mentioning the the announcement that the club's made today around uh, free free streaming of of games until the end of the season for, for anyone that bought the know, the, um, the gold and silver memberships earlier in the season and uh, with the hope of being able to attend some, some games, unfortunately. Um, obviously, only the Hartlepool game that, that had fans at so far. So I think that's a, a great first response from the club uh, as kind of the first, the first thing that they or the first action that they've taken following the Hereford game. Um, what, what are your hopes, Ben, for, first of all, I guess, the rest of this season and, and then looking ahead to next year?
1: I mean, for the rest of this season, I want to see the beginning of an establishment of what we'll see next season. Um, I really want to see young players involved um, as as much as they can be. I'd like to start to see contracts offered out to people who we want next season if they're available. Um, I think Malachi Knapp is a good example of a deal that's been offered to the end of the season. We've got him permanently from Oxford now. Um, He may well be trying to play himself into a, a, a league club, but if he's unable to do that, we've got him. For the next three or four months, to potentially to take him forward, I think deals like that are very smart. Um, I mean, results are sort of of moot now, um, and I think the, the club's announcement that allows us to access um, these games, if you remember, recognises that to an extent, um, and it's a, a definitely a good move to give something back to the fans after the, the disappointment of the last week. Um, I, I think it's smart. I think it's a good move. Um, yeah, I, I mean ultimately preparation for next season um there's no fear of relegation now um we want to start to see the changes to turn us into a positive progressive force next season with a better bigger budget um a better style of play a more consistent 11 um and the foundations for that are to be laid now as best we can know um, it's a difficult time still for managers um and hopefully um we'll see a lot of change over the summer as well i mean the in an ideal world, lockdown restrictions are lifted, what, 10 days before um, contracts officially end, and then we'll have that that whirlwind of, of July and the anticipation of football in August. It could all look very, very different at the start of next season. Um, so let's start to lay the groundwork for that now.
0: Great stuff. Uh, well, that's, I think, everything for tonight. Ben, thank you very much for for joining us. Um, just finally, um, for, for anyone that wants to ask any questions or to share their their views on on anything you've talked about uh we've talked about tonight um ben where can where can people find you on twitter
1: um you can get me at the, the musgrove on twitter um if you want to heckle me from my um unsustainable <laughs> views yeah give me a shout i'm happy to, to chat to anyone about anything we've discussed tonight uh
0: and uh my ever uh, reliable colleague uh, jacob seems to have uh, disappeared either due to internet issues or being called for his dinner uh, so you can find him at jgreenwood91 uh, or at the everything woking account and you can find me at H uh, 1292 but until next time thank you very much for listening and we will see you soon